Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Haunted 518, episode 4. Guys, I'm so excited for this week's episode. I had the pleasure of talking to Steve Brote, owner of the South Glens Falls Paranormal Society, and pick his brain about his thoughts on the paranormal, experiences he's had, and just what life as the owner of a paranormal society is like, not to mention living in a haunted house, too. This has been my favorite episode yet to record. So today... To equal my joy of having Steve on, I'm drinking one of my new favorites, Cucumber Blessings by Millhouse Brewing Company, which I grabbed when I was actually up in Wilmington this past weekend. This cucumber ale is one of the strongest cucumber or even flavored beers that I've ever had, and I love it. Be sure to drink it ice cold because it's a truly refreshing beer. So now the time has come again to sit back, relax, and enjoy this spooky conversation with a 518 paranormal pioneer. So today we welcome Steve Brote, founder and owner of the South Glens Falls Paranormal Society. They are a paranormal investigation team in the 518 based out of South Glens Falls. You can find them at sgfparanormalsociety.com, at sgfparanormal on Instagram and Twitter, and South Glens Falls Paranormal Society on Facebook as well. Also, be sure to check out Steve's podcast, The Haunted 518 Project, on iHeartRadio, which focuses on local haunted venues and features interviews with South Glens Falls Paranormal Society clients about their life-changing haunted experiences, specialists in the field of paranormal studies, and surprise guests who also share their very personal and life-altering haunted happenings and how they've coped since. Steve is also the owner of Haunted Nights, which is a paranormal event company. They've investigated a lot of locations here in the 518 and have so many stories. So a huge welcome to you and your team from the Haunted 518 community. Thank you so well, much for being here. <laughs> so I figured I would start off just a really quick to give you, because this is our first time talking, yeah. me- meeting, quote unquote, just kind of giving you a really quick background of why I'm interested in, in everything. I don't know. Are you familiar with the term, and I don't know if I'm saying it right, scopathesia? Do you know that term? Not really. And no. So it's it's also known as through some research that I've done for the few episodes that I have so far. It is I didn't know there was such a formal term for it, but it's the thing that I've dealt with my whole life, which is the reason why I'm so interested in it. Which is it's also known as the psychic staring effect, also just known as someone watching you, just the feeling of being watched. Um, and it's not necessarily always related to um, the paranormal. It's like a it's a clinical term for people and that you know if you just you I think anybody whether they feel like they're sensitive or not has experienced that to a certain degree and you turn around and sure enough someone's there but that's really just from when I was little I I have had like crippling anxiety alongside just the utmost fascination and curiosity so it couldn't be couldn't be worse and like today when I was listening to some podcasts I'm home alone your podcast I'm home alone some of your stories were like 
I almost had to turn them off because I'm such a baby with stuff like that. But it's it's absolutely fascinating to me at, at, at the same time. And I've definitely have in the last episode I did, I talked about like I've worked with mediums and I do feel like I'm sensitive to energy and people have approached me about it, actually. And um, so, yeah, it's just a whole mess of I'm interested in it, but really scared of it at the same time. So I have like the utmost respect for what you do because you are you are incredibly fearless. <laughs> Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. So I I first wanted to start off with um if you could tell us a little bit more about Haunted Nights before I got into like the details of like the investigative questions. I just wanted to hear more about Haunted Nights. Yeah. So Haunted Nights um is kind of like my baby. I started that last year. Um I officially formed the company last year, but I've been doing the paranormal events for nine eight or nine years now wow. um, we started them with the Southwest Falls Paranormal Society which is a nonprofit. Um, so we started it with those and we were doing a lot of you know fundraising for different historic sites and bringing people in to ghost hunt that don't normally get to do it um, you know we provide the equipment so I did that for eight or nine years with the the nonprofit group um, but it kind of got to the point where it was taking over what the whole purpose of that group was and we were basically just too busy doing events to do regular investigations and a lot of the members were kind of like hey you know we got into this as a hobby we want to go to people's houses we want to help people um you know we didn't get into it as a, as a second job we do an events every weekend which i completely understood i mean i was sure. we were doing a lot of events we were doing you know 25 30 events a year wow. um, on top of trying to do investigations and other stuff so i kind of stepped back in like you know, reevaluated what the group was supposed to be and where I wanted it to go. And I decided to kind of really knock down the events for the Paranormal, the Stockholm Falls Paranormal Society and uh, started Haunted Nights so I could still do the events because I really enjoy doing the events. I like traveling. I like bringing new people into investigations. Um, and it was something I really, really like to do. So I figured, you know, if, if we're not gonna be able to do it with the group, I'm gonna start an, another business um, to do it. And it's, uh, it's been a wild first year, you know, starting a, an event company right a uh, few months before a, a global pandemic happens wasn't exactly ideal, but uh, we've made it work. We had to obviously wait for about half a year before we could really do anything big this year, um, but we've been busy, 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 busy. <laughs> yeah, one thing I um I realized from the podcast I was listening to is you don't just investigate like in the 518, you go all over. And that was a question I had for you. And I thought of it before I realized you had haunted or you had um, haunted nights also was did COVID affect because I didn't know how often you were investigating. And then I was listening and I was like, wow, it sounds like he's like four times a month, if not more. He's always somewhere. So I, I was curious how much has COVID affected your ability to investigate? It's been tough. We um, we couldn't really do anything. I know we did. Um, we did an event back in March right before everything kind of shut down. Um, and then we basically didn't do any type of event or investigation until August. Um, we really got held back with, especially with the travel restrictions. We couldn't yeah. go anywhere without quarantining. Um, we couldn't gather in bigger groups for the events. Um, people didn't want us coming into their houses. You know, we didn't want to go into people's houses. So yeah. we kind of, we kind of really slowed things down for basically the whole spring and most of the summer. Um, but you know, ever since August, it's been non-stop and I mean I was busy with it uh I was busy with other stuff before that um in you know the spring months when we couldn't investigate um 
I'm also the property manager for the Saratoga County Homestead, oh, which wow. is the abandoned tuberculosis hospital. I just covered that um, on one of my last episodes. That the Santa, yeah. it's called so it's called the sanatorium, the Saratoga Sanatorium. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. Wow. They, uh, a guy bought it last year uh, at an auction, and I oh. became friends with him. So he actually lives in Texas. So I do a lot of work for him up here. Um, I do basically security and keep people out. I am working on getting the building cleaned up so we can start fixing it up. Wow. Uh, running photography tours. We do photography tours all the time. Um, we did a lot of cleaning from about March through June. Wow. We had a big cleaning spree we had to do um, because Destination Fear from the Travel Channel came and filmed there in June. Wow. Um, so that'll be on the Travel Channel actually a week from Saturday, the 24th. It'll oh my, our- I have to write that down. Yeah, yeah, Saturday, October 24th at 10 o'clock. It'll be Destination Fear. It's their premiere episode for the new season. Oh, that's so cool. And uh, I'm excited to see it. I, I don't know what they call it. They told me they had uh, some really intense activity. I was talking to Chelsea and Tanner wow. um, after they filmed, and they said it was really, really intense night, and they and they can't believe what happened still, and they still talk about it. So I'm excited to see what they got. Oh, man, me too. That sounds so exciting. That yeah. is so, so we've crazy. Been busy. We've been busy. <laughs> That's so funny. I was thinking about how, like, as an investigator, is this the perfect kind of kind of work to be in during a during a pandemic? Because you go to these places where really nobody else goes. But yeah. I would ass- I assumed you know a lot of them I know are probably personal where you go to people's homes, which those kind of scare me a little more because these poor people have to deal with them but I was curious how much it really did limit you to to be able to do stuff but that's smart that you kind of step back the ghosts are probably really happy in these places <laughs> nobody's yeah, it's, bothered it's them. actually been super interesting <laughs> um especially at the the sanatorium there you know we're dealing with a very similar situation for the reason that that hospital was built you know tuberculosis was that's very right. similar to what's going on right now. So for us to be in there when we're doing our photography tours and we're working and we're wearing masks and we're talking about what's going on, it's been very interesting to kind of see some of the activity. Um, I know we had some people in there filming uh, recently and uh, one one part, the guy was doing a solo by himself and he had a bush recorder and he said, uh, you know, he's got his mask on and he says, are you sick? And they actually caught an EVP on the bush recorder that says, well, are you? Oh my gosh! <laughs> see the mask, so it, it's very interesting to kind of see how it's it's tying into everything. Yeah, I remember you talking, and I am familiar with like residual versus intelligent haunting, and you were giving some really interesting examples. And then I was listening to the episode with um, Katie Manning and uh-huh. the two the two psychics were on, yep. and I think it was an investigator and a psychic or two psychics. And yeah, they're both psychics. And yep. she was saying um, how they mock her sometimes, and I just ne- that never even crossed my mind that they yeah. would you would actually hear someone and mock them or um, even just like mimicking other family members in the same household and convincing through scaring her children <laughs> that it's yeah, her. Oh my gosh. That's the one thing we've come to know too. Like they are way smarter than we give them credit for. It's like not even just like the intelligent spirit that can interact with you. Like they're smarter than I think we give them credit for. And I think they know things that we don't. For sure. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. When I when I feel energy, when I've had I've had a few significant paranormal experiences in my life, which have led me to be more fearful, but even that much more curious. And um, it, it's unlike anything I've ever ever experienced otherwise. And I am a I completely trust that and believe that because it is it's it's just crazy it's like you're operating on they they have access to both our plane and their plane. So I. 
I completely, I believe that. <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's cool, and that's one of the, the cooler things I think about you know having been in the field for so long now. I've gotten to talk to a lot of different people who have done it for you know longer than me, shorter than me, but it doesn't matter if somebody's been doing it for a year or 20 years you're going to learn something from each person because everybody has a different way of going about things and different theories and different ideas yeah. that you might not have thought of. Um, you know, just talking to different people, it, it kind of opens your eyes even 10 or 11 years into it that, you know, Hey, I never even thought of that as a possibility. Um, you know, we talked to Nick Groff a couple of weeks ago on one of the shows that we do on Facebook and he brought up the fact that, you know, maybe it's not even, ghosts and dead people sometimes you know it could be us we're actually interacting with ourselves from a different time period it might be us 20 years from now or 10 years from now and he's yeah. like it's just a whole nother thing we haven't really thought about wow that's so crazy to think about i know i i remember you mentioned on one episode too where you were like the technology we have today it what is it going to be you know in the future and what will that mean for us being able to communicate with them oh that's so, well you you're so you look so young how long is long how long have you been doing it you talk like you've been doing it for like 50 years it's crazy you're I've so experienced i've been investigating since 2009 so 11 oh. going on 12 years now wow so basically how old am i almost almost yeah almost half of my life at this wow. point wow my first investigation was when i was 16 so. oh my gosh that's what i was going to ask like what around when did you actually first investigate and were you interested my one of my first questions was what is your background and the interest was it before investigations or did something really happen that something clicked and you realized you needed to be um around or explore this a little more yeah so i was about five years old and i was actually like sleeping down at my grandparents house um, they were both alive at the time, so you know I never thought of their house being haunted. I was just a kid sleeping at his grandparents' house, and I was sleeping in uh, my grandma's bedroom, and my sister and my grandma were sleeping in the living room, and I woke up in the middle of the night because I felt somebody poking me in the leg. So I'm just thinking, you know, maybe it's time to get up. I don't know what time it is. Maybe my grandma's waking me up or whatever, so I kind of like rubbed my eyes. Um, and when I looked at the end of the bed, I saw an elderly woman sitting at the end of the bed. Um, she was sideways with her legs off the bed and she had a hat on with a veil and she had like a shawl kind of over her shoulders and she was turning, she was poking me in the leg with a cane. It took me all of about five seconds to realize it wasn't my grandma because wow. it didn't look anything like her. Um, I didn't recognize the woman, so I thought there was some strange woman in my room. So yeah. I freaked out, threw the covers over my head, you know, peeking out throughout the rest of the night, couldn't fall back asleep told my grandma about it the next morning and she, you know, went into grandma mode. Oh no, bad dream. You were imagining things. You weren't awake. It's not real. Nothing happened. Um, but I was adamant. I mean, I could see the indent on the bed where the woman was sitting. Uh, and about 10 years later, I was down there for Christmas and she had put out an old family photo that I had never seen before. And I was walking out to the kitchen and I saw it and I like froze and I grabbed it and I said, who is this? Oh my God. She said, oh, that's, um, that's my mother, your great-grandmother. She passed away right before you were born. Wow. And I said, that's the lady that was sitting on my bed that night. Um, and in the picture, she actually has the hat on with the veil. Oh, it. my gosh. <laughs> um, and my grandma kind of looks at me and smirks and goes, you were sleeping on her bed frame that night, so it makes sense. Oh, my and, gosh. And, you know, to me, that was like, okay, how is that possible? Yeah. 
is this something that happens? Am I weird? Like, is this something <laughs> yeah. that, you know, nobody else's experience? How did yeah. she see me? And then, you know, Ghost Hunters was on TV and all yeah. these other things came out. And I was like, oh, people actually go and do this and like research it. So I started watching that show. Me and my mom would watch Ghost Hunters every week together yeah. and kind of like research places and figure it out. Um, and then they used to do public ghost hunt events when they weren't as big. They used to do events all the time. And they did one out in uh, Buffalo, at Buffalo Central Terminal. And I was only 16 at the time, so nobody was gonna let me in their building because I wasn't old enough. So <laughs> we bought tickets and went to that, and that was my first real like investigation. Wow! Um, but after that, I was I was hooked on it. After that, so. <laughs> that is so crazy. How long after? How many people are in your team actually? I should ask we that have, first. We have ten. Wow! In the group right now, um, oh, which awesome. is good. It's grown. It, it's really grown um, over the years. It's kind of changed. We've had some people leave. Some people come. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people have lives. Yeah. But babies, people move away. Stuff happens. Totally. Um, but it's it's always been my mom, me, my grandfather, which wow. is good. It's like a family thing. That's amazing. Um, my wife does it with me. Uh, she does a lot more of like the behind the scenes, mm-hmm. keeping everything organized, making sure I keep things organized because I'm terrible at it. So she's, <laughs> yeah. she's helped me with that kind of stuff. She goes on investigations from time to time and helps with some of the events. Wow. Um, we run a, a digital marketing business as well. So she's really good with like logos and graphics and she does a lot of the stuff like that for me. Um, so it's kind of like a family thing. Um, and we have some close family friends that have joined in throughout the years, college friends, you know, stuff like that. So, that is awesome. That is so cool. Did you grow up in South Glens Falls? That was another question I had for you. So this area, I mean, I grew up in Clifton Park, so like the 518, I've always wanted to do this. The the One of the biggest paranormal experiences I had was way out in Brattleboro in New Hampshire, and um, just, just maybe like 20 minutes from Keene, and I was spending a lot of time out there, and it was like ongoing activity at a house I was at for two years every weekend. My friend's parents were divorced, and we spent every weekend there, and it got so bad that her dad actually rented a hotel for us like the cheap motel whatever six and in town for like probably a year straight just so he could see his kids his two daughters and um he paid out of he just paid for that because i was so nervous they were they didn't tell me until we were almost there the first time and they knew i was sensitive and really nervous about that and she just looked to me like five we'd driven three hours she's like by the way uh the house is like extremely haunted and it just the it just ramped up and oh man it freaked me out and then i had other another pretty big experience uh paranormal experience that was ongoing for about a year that I mean I didn't tell anybody I was having I have I'm married I lived with uh, my husband and I didn't even tell him I was I just thought I was crazy so there that 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 feeling of no not knowing if like is something wrong with me or what's going on that really made me nervous and then it culminated with actually a medium approaching me out of the blue and pinpointing exactly what was happening in my house like she was like can I just ask you if she walked into my office and was like I don't know you but can I ask you a few things something just drew me right in here and I was like absolutely everything you're asking me is happening the thing that really freaked me out was for the for like nine months I'm an artist so I always have a studio in my house I I'm down at the university at Albany now so I'm lucky that I have a really great facility there but when I don't I always make room in wherever I'm living and I had a two-bedroom at that time and um something was really bothering me like a male energy was bothering me and um I didn't even know if I understood it and I didn't tell anybody but I had gotten in the habit of whenever I would enter the house and sometimes I wouldn't even enter until my husband got home I would sit outside for like four hours he he works construction like he'd come home at like 10 o'clock in the summer some nights and uh, I would just wait for him I was too scared but 
um, and pretend I happened to get home at the same time because <laughs> right, I was too right. much of a baby to admit it. But I was the habit I had gotten into was I I wouldn't look up until I walked around the whole apartment and turned every single light light on in every room. Like I probably had six rooms between the storage room, the bathroom, the two bedrooms, yeah, and the living room and the kitchen. And I would I would look down the whole time, I'd open the door, look down, and I would just like blindly go flip lights on. And then I look and this person like sought me out and asked me, Do you look down when you enter your house? She was like, Do you are you afraid to look up? And I was like, Of course I was like, Yeah, on the edge of my seat. And then she goes, Do you turn on every light? Like it couldn't have been more specific. And and then she invited me to kind of start working with her and learning from her and then it um really started to scare me so I kind of separated myself from it because I'm just a baby such a baby with that kind of stuff but but it, it fascinated me and the things that I learned from her and the the things that I learned like ways to kind of protect myself I still you know use those today but um but it's definitely it's definitely things that change it changed my life having these realizations and the house that I grew up in just never felt comfortable to me I had some stuff going on there but that that scope of thesia, that feeling of just always being watched or or the respite of like the apartment I'm in now I feel so comfortable in it it's such a respite because it doesn't happen often that I don't feel energy and it's very very uh it's odd (laughs) it feels out of place but it's like I sleep so much better when I don't have that on the back of my mind um it's one of those things that you know people that's what people always say like aren't you scared or aren't you yeah and there's a different type of fear I think than like people people associate fear with the paranormal like you know from the movies the paranormal activity movies and like you're gonna get dragged down the stairs yeah you're gonna get possessed and like that kind of fear that's not really how it is you know in the in the actual investigating world um at least nothing i've experienced in 11 years i can promise you i've never come across anything yeah. demonic even remotely in 11 <laughs> yeah. years um i've come across some people that are a little upset I mean, yeah you gotta think about where you are when you're investigating certain yeah. times prisons you're probably gonna run into some cranky people yeah so like you know you just kind of base it on that and it's it's not a fear of being hurt it's yeah. an uncomfortable feeling like you said yeah. it's, it's you're not wanted in this space yeah you're being watched in this space and you can you can feel it as soon as you walk into yes yeah, like palpable it's, it's a weird feeling it's a weird sensation <laughs> yeah that I think that's the thing that I always tell myself is anytime something's happened where I see or feel something pretty strongly it's never it's always caught me off guard but I'm never scared in that moment it's when my mind runs away with me that night when I'm laying my head down on my pillow yeah. or I'm alone in my house the next day or a month from there and I just let myself kind of get into that that Hollywood mode where I just keep thinking about these things dramatically <laughs> but anytime something happens had happened where I had either been touched or in that apartment um something absolutely like jumped up on the edge of my bed you could see the impression of it and and then walked like right up I was like taking a nap walked I felt it go right up to my neck and it was one of those things where talking about it now I say I would freak out but when it happened it was actually really comforting and it was interesting because come to find out in that apartment there was a history of like the last few tenants before that had been evicted um not they had either been evicted or left because of like one girl just had a mental breakdown and she she just got taken out and she had to go into an institution for an undetermined and the neighbor so the neighbor when the neighbors uh met me they were like thank you you're so normal and cut to me like six months later I'm like waiting in my car for my husband because I'm scared but um yeah that's it's so funny because I always say I'd be scareder than I am when it actually happens it is in the moment half the time it 
because a lot of things like the craziest things that you know you go on to tell stories about people are like how are you not terrified yeah but when it's happening a lot of the times it's so crazy that you're you're trying to process it more yeah. than anything and you're not necessarily immediately assuming that it's paranormal you might be writing it off as something normal a person yeah. something you know that you can just explain away and then it's only later on that you realize okay that wasn't normal that wasn't a person yeah but you don't have time to be afraid at that point because it's already over yeah exactly <laughs> and then you just have to tell yourself one of the mediums i worked with was just said out of sight out of mind like just don't think about it because you're just going to get yourself worked up and I, I really do use that more often than um i'm so more often than i thought i would um, did the society get started by you just like you and your mom and your grandfather just finding places? Are you, when you said you were so young, like when you were 16, no one would let you in. Is there an age you have to be? It's a lot of places like. For like insurance? A lot of places say like 18, um, mm. unless you have like a parent or guardian. Some of them you can mm. do um, younger than that. But it's more of like, you know, when we're reaching out to, when we first started, we were reaching out to places because nobody knew who we were. We weren't, sure. our name wasn't out there. People weren't coming to us. So we would reach out to businesses or historic sites that have rumors of being haunted. And, you know, if some 16 year old kid just emails and says, hey, I want to come be in your building after hours when nobody's there in the yeah. dark, they're not going to let me do that. Sure. One, for liability, too. They don't know me. I don't, you know, they don't know if I'm going to steal things. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of had the idea to form like the official group. Um, I was still in high school. I mean, I was, wow. like I, said, I was 16. Um, so I, I had the idea to form a group and it was me, my mom, my grandfather, and one of my uh, close friends from high school, he had been investigating with me for a while at that point. And we were just like, you know, instead of paying $200 every time we wanted yeah. to investigate with Jason and Grant from Ghost Hunters, like, why don't we just form our own group and we'll start going into places. Yeah, we might have to pay a little bit, but it's not going to be $200 and it's not going to be a group of 200 people investigating. It's going to be just mm -hmm. us. Wow. Um, so we started that and, and we it, it just took off. We we gained, kind of gained a name for ourselves and yeah. people started reaching out to us. And Oh, that is so awesome. Every time you listed a new place you had explored, I was like, I bet he could call anywhere and they would say, we want you to come investigate now because you've done so much. It's amazing. It's, it's really weird because, you know, like I said, for the longest time, I was young and like we're investigating and like, yeah, I, I would go to a lot of places, but like these were places that had been on the TV shows that I saw and we're like, oh, yeah. we really want to go there. Um, and a lot of them, it's great because they do rent them out for investigations and then the money goes back into restoration. That's great. Buildings, which is a really cool thing because I love history and architecture yeah. and stuff like that anyway. So I like seeing these places preserved. So we're doing that for a while. And then, um. You know, you start gaining friends, you go to conventions, you start gaining other connections wow. in the field, and now you're friends with these people, and now you're friends with this person, and that's how the Travel Channel ended up finding out about the homestead. I'm friends with one of the producers oh, wow. on, the travel, on, the, on the show, and, you know, she just reached out to me, it's like, hey, we're looking for new spots for season three, do you have wow. any there? Um, and it's stuff like that, where it's like, you know, it, it's been really cool, because I've never even been on TV or anything like that, yeah. like, I don't claim to be famous or anything like i just a local guy who gets everybody's like oh you have a lot of ouija boards and you sleep in fun <laughs> places you're really weird um but it, it's been cool because like you know next week i'll be on the travel channel and that's pretty cool that you know, i'll only be on there for a couple minutes like that's that's fun and uh to be able to you know reach out to nick groff whenever i have a question about something yeah. just, you know, ask him the guy that's been on tv for 20 years doing this that's amazing you know, it's, it's really cool to see Oh my God, that's wonderful. I, I, that kind of leads me into the next question, which I think I already know the answer to. It was, is there an investigation or location that sticks out in your mind as your favorite? I, 
um, I kind of think I know this the answer to this based off of what I was listening to, but I'm curious. I, you know, my go-to is always going to be Madison Seminary. Yep. Uh, it's, I, I've been to a lot of places in the last 11 years. I really have. And I've only been going to Madison for about three years now, three wow. and a half years. So it's still a relatively new location for me. Um, I've been out there probably 10 or so times now. Um, but it's just one of those places that's different. It, it's a whole different kind of investigation when you're there because you know you're going to have activity and you can't say that wow. about most places. You just, you can't. I mean, even some of the big, big name places that have been on TV shows that we've been to a couple times, you hit them on off nights and that's yeah. just how it is. You can't make these people perform on command. They just can't. So for a place to pretty much be guaranteed to have activity every time you go to it, um, wow. it's cool. And, you know, it's got a soft spot in my heart out there because I'm, I'm good friends with the owner, um, Adam Kimmel. He owns that building and he owns another one in Ohio. Um, he's doing amazing things, restoring both of those buildings. Wow. He's in it for the right reasons. He's a paranormal investigator who buys these buildings as more of like a research hub for people. So he doesn't charge wow. $1,500 a night or whatever it is. You can get his buildings for $500. Wow. You have the whole building to yourself for the night and the money goes right back into restoring it, which a lot of these places do, but he, he just keeps it affordable because he knows a lot of people, this, this isn't their job. They don't make money sure. doing this. They spend money doing it. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, that spot, the activity, the owners, everything about it is just like my favorite. I was just out there quite, no, I was out there once in September, twice in August. I'll wow. be out there again in like two weeks. So what is the seminary? I think I remember you explaining it's like a three-story tall building. Yeah. Could so you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, it's two separate buildings that are connected by like this little middle portion that was okay. added on. Um, the one wing was originally started as like a Civil War hospital, but not wow. really more of a hospital. It was more for like widows of the Civil War and their families and stuff would go there. It was, it was a home for that. Um, they actually had a very important spy from the Civil War who ended up living and dying there, Elizabeth Stiles. Um, she was a spy. She actually has direct um, letters back and forth with Abraham Lincoln. Like She was a very wow. prominent person uh, during the Civil War, and she ended up living and passing away there, and she's buried right down the street. Wow. Um, so that's a pretty cool piece of history. Um, at one point, it was a um, like a psychiatric hospital for a little while. Um, it had some tuberculosis patients at one point. They used to house the honor inmates from the women's prison in, uh, near the air in the building. So it's kind of had a little bit of everything over the Seriously, years. Seriously, wow. Um, so it's it's got everything in there, and it's it's active. Both both buildings are incredibly active. Wow. That third floor on the uh, the one side of the building is one of the spots that. Um, has kind of got my number, so to say. There's certain times where I can't be up there oh alone, and I can I can pretty much go anywhere alone. I literally <laughs> fall asleep in like a body tray in a morgue. Oh it takes a lot for me to be uncomfortable enough where I can't go to a spot. Yeah. And there's certain nights on that third the third floor they call it the asylum floor. Okay. Um, there there there's certain nights that I just I can't do it up there. And one of those nights happened to be when we were filming. Um, Madhouse, which is a documentary that's on Amazon, we filmed oh, yeah. out there. And uh, of course, you know, the, the night we're filming for Amazon, I get too chicken to finish my solo session <laughs> on the top floor. I'm like, God, no. I'm like, oh everybody can see this. And it's like the one time I can't go somewhere, but I, I couldn't. You know, you have that limit. 
And I, I just pushed it as far as I could that night, and I couldn't do it. That's saying a lot, because you really sounded like the bravest of the brave from what I was listening to. Usually I am. Usually it does take a lot, but that place... That I probably place couldn't even look at that building. I me- one of your investigators, I remember you saying... Um, you challenged him in Waverly to go to the top floor by himself, and he was, like, talking the talk, and then he couldn't walk the walk. He yeah, got there, and you were like, it's different, man, when you see it. <laughs> they call it the Waverly Challenge, and yeah. they talk about it every time. It's you start on the – because the base room um, at Waverly where there's, like, air conditioning and bathrooms and drinks and all that stuff is okay. down in the laundry room. It's actually a completely separate building. You have to walk through a tunnel to get into the main building. So the, the idea is that everybody goes down there and waits because you can watch on the security cameras inside. Oh so you God. wait and the person is supposed to walk without a flashlight oh all my the God. way up to the fifth floor and put like a styrofoam cup nope. up there. <laughs> and then the next it. person has to go up and get the cup and walk it back down. <laughs> Uh, but he's, you know, the whole 12 hour drive. And he's like, I can do it. That's fine. You know, I've been waiting so long to come here. I, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm like, you, you go ahead and think that. But you get up to this building and it's 180,000 square feet yeah. and you have to walk in it by yourself. It doesn't matter. Oh my. Have you done it? Have you? Do, I'm assuming no. you. No, you haven't. <laughs> I thought for sure you would have done the. Oh my God, that's the, so the funny. The farthest I've walked at Waverly by myself is like from the fourth floor to the first floor because I forgot wow. batteries and I had to go down and get a oh flashlight. That was uh, that was good. That was good enough for me. So. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's crazy. Well, another question I had for you was, um, can you tell us a little bit about like the kinds of equipment that you that you guys use? I I know I'm familiar with a few, but I'm I'm curious i'm sure everybody would love to hear about that yeah so we actually we do use a lot of the stuff that's on the tv shows you know the k2 meters the bell meters um, those are both emf detectors electromagnetic fields um, which is just energy i mean your cell phone sets it off your laptop microwave you know anything like that uh sets it off and uh it's, it's believed that you know spirits are energy so they're going to set these things off so when we're investigating, we either leave all of our cell phones, you know, in a base room or we have everybody turn them off or turn them on airplane mode. So they're not getting text messages, you know, tweets or anything like that. So it's not interfering with the equipment. Um, and we'll use them for, you know, yes or no questions, um, direct response questions, that kind of thing. Um, we'll set them up throughout the room. They have lights and they make noise when they go off. So it's easy to tell. Um, we use digital voice recorders to capture EVPs, the electronic voice phenomena which is basically just a voice that you don't hear at the time that's recorded on the voice recorder. You're asking questions basically to nobody in the dark and hoping that it picks up a response. <laughs> so that's, the, I think, the hardest part a lot of people have when we when we do our events for haunted nights, people coming in. They feel weird, you know, yeah. sitting there talking in the dark and asking questions. And it takes a little while for everybody to kind of get comfortable with it and come out um, and start asking questions. So you have to kind of explain that. Trust me, it's not weird. Like, we do it for hours on end all the yeah. time. Like, you're just talking to yourself basically and hoping yeah. somebody answers. Um, so voice recorders, we have oh God, we have an eight-channel DVR system. So we have an eight-channel security system with night vision cameras um, that all have audio on them. We have enough cord to run each camera about 250 feet, or wow. we can make something farther or shorter, you know. So we're covering buildings like Waverly Hills that are 180,000 square yeah. feet. We can't be everywhere at once, so we just set up the camera so they're constantly recording everywhere. Uh, we also carry around with us about four handheld night vision cameras. Um, we use regular um, like digital cameras to take pictures. We have a full spectrum camera. We have, um, yeah, we have an Ovulus, which is like a phonetic generator. Oh, wow. So that's basically got like a little word dictionary built into it. Oh. And each word is kind of assigned a different EMF level. 
And the theory is that the spirits can manipulate the EMF levels and communicate with you with the words. And it spits the words out. It says them and shows them on the screen. It's got names. It's got just random words in it. And you'll ask questions and try to get responses or try to correlate the responses from that to your EVPs, all kinds of stuff like that. Wow. Oh, God, what else we got? That's not the same as the machine that generates energy to, there's a, I know, right. I've, that's a, that's a different instrument, yeah, right? Yeah, so that's an EM pump. So that's oh, wow. something that's actually pumping out EMF wow. and electromagnetic fields into the yeah. air, trying to charge up the area. Um, those are cool too. If you're going to use them, what we suggest is you use them in an area that you're not going to be in. So like if you oh, go okay. into a room, put that in a room with like a, you know, a camera in there and maybe a ball that is tends to move by itself. Mm. And then you close the door and leave and you let it do its thing. Only reason is because if it's pumping EMF into the room, that can have an effect on you. It can cause hallucinations, yep. skin irritations, paranoia, all these different things can be brought on by too high levels of EMF. So if yeah. you're just sitting in a room where it's just getting pumped at you, you can't really trust anything you're experiencing after that because it yeah. could just be an effect of EMF. Yeah, the, the hallucina- hallucinations that I've seen on like shows like Ghost Hunters when they do find those are, oh, they're creepy the way that people describe them as like shadow figures. And I mean, they, they sound just like someone else who has had a true experience that doesn't have high EMFs, but it's it's fabricated by this elect- incredibly high electromagnetic field. That's you- why a lot of people are creeped out in basements or yeah. attics where a lot of the wiring is. They call them fear cages. You're in a very small enclosed area just circled by EMF that's just pumping on you. That's why a lot of people are freaked out while they're doing the laundry in the basement. Yeah. Somebody's watching them because they're sitting down there and just getting blasted with this EMF the whole time. Oh my God. (laughs) I hope that was the reason I was scared of my basement. (laughs) Maybe it was, right? You never know. Do do you use, you might, I don't think you said, um, and I don't know the technical term for it, the one that does the thermal imaging. Do you have that? Oh yeah, like a a FLIR thermal camera. Yeah. So we don't have one of like the big handheld ones. Um, They're really pricey. Yeah, I've I've looked them up. Uh, But they've actually come out, FLIR came out with a little camera that actually attaches to your phone. Oh, wow. It's a lot cheaper. It's like 200, 300 bucks. And it attaches to your phone and it uses the camera on your phone, but with the heat sensor on there to create the the thermal imaging. Wow. Um, And a lot of people have been using those in the field lately just because they're way more affordable. Um, Again, a lot of this stuff specifically like that wasn't made for paranormal investigating. That's not the reason behind it. That was made for people looking for drafts or leaks in their walls or, you know, anything like that. They're not made for paranormal investigating but people have found that they were is there an instrument that you prefer using and or just is the most successful with picking up phenomena in your experience i if i could only bring one piece of equipment with me i would bring a digital voice recorder in not like no question because video and photo they're great it's really great pieces of evidence to capture. Um, even if you can videotape like an, e- uh, like an EMF spike in, in response to questions, or if you capture, you know, a shadow person or a picture of something weird, those are cool, but there's a lot more room for error. There's a lot more ways you can explain away that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you know, with shadows or matrixing, dust, orbs, bugs, yeah. that kind of stuff. There's just a lot more that can go wrong. When you have a digital voice recorder and it's you and one other guy in a building and you pick up a female voice, how do you explain that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, even if it's not a ghost, it's paranormal. It's something that's not normal. That's what you're yeah. there for. These might not even be ghosts, like I said. We don't even know if this actually is deceased people. It's just something that's not normal that's not supposed to happen. So a voice recorder for me, 
no doubt is what I would bring every time. That's awesome. The way that you explained that, and I heard you say that in, on one of the podcasts I was listening to, I never thought about it that way. The fact that I, I love that you basically, that's how you define the understanding of the word paranormal it doesn't just equal ghost and i i love that you were able to um kind of give a broad definition like that because i never thought about it that way before and i just thought that was really wonderful thank you yeah it's it's one of those things where like you know people a long time ago used to think thunder and lightning is because yeah. the gods were mad at them you know yeah. 10 years from now we might have all the answers and we might feel really stupid that we were just trying to talk to dead people for 40 <laughs> years and it yes. never was dead people yeah. we bought all this equipment and we went and did all this stuff and they have all these and then they come out with all this explanation and it has nothing to do with it and we're gonna feel really stupid but at least we would know you know what i mean so absolutely at this point paranormal is just something that's not normal it's not supposed to happen yep that's so interesting Another question I had was, could you tell us like a little bit about, oh, you, I mean, you told us about your team. So your current team, you've got your mom, your grandfather, and then I think you have some high school students also that are part of the team. It's interesting. We, (laughs) my mom, my grandfather, me, um, a couple friends that I've met through like college and soccer and stuff like that. Um, One of the members in the group actually has his house as two houses down from my parents so I've known him my whole life my parents have known him you know forever so he joined um, a few years back Uh, another member is um, somebody where we just put out into the universe a couple years ago that we were looking to add people and she kind of went through the process and came on a couple trial investigations with us and she's been with us for six or seven years now and um, we do have uh, so we have a kid named Dylan who's in the group he actually started out coming to one of our public events when he was 12 years old. Um, my wife works with his mom, worked with his mom at that time. And she kind of told her what we do. And she was like, oh, my son would absolutely love that. Can he come? And so he came to an event when he was 12. Um, and he still has, it's funny, we still have the picture of him in 12 year old in like a guest investigator shirt that looks like a dress on him because he's so little. And uh, he just kept coming back to all the public investigations because he loved it so much and he was having such a good time. And after a while, you know, watching this 12 year old kid ask some of these questions and like just the way his brain worked, I was like, this kid's already smarter than me and he's 12. (laughs) So like we kind of kept watching him. And as he got older, we're like, you just start coming, dude. Like you, you know what you're doing. You're asking better questions enough half the time. Like you're really, the way he looks at it is just like, it's a whole different perspective. He's just so smart. Um, and he's 18 now. He's actually out at basic training in Missouri. So we lost him this summer. He's been gone for a few months, but uh, he'll be in the uh, the Travel Channel episode of Destination Oh, Pier that's too. amazing. He's, uh, he's been at it for about six six years now too. So he's kind of grown up. He's kind of grown up in the group. Oh, that's incredible. Did your mom or your grandfather have an interest in the paranormal before you kind of started all this? Yeah, my grandfather did a little more so, I think. He was the one that kind of turned me and my mom on to Ghost Hunters, the TV show. He was watching it and was like, hey, like you guys might get a kick out of this. So we all kind of started watching it. And um, my mom always says, you know, she loved watching it because how many times is she going to get her high school son to sit down with her every week for an hour and watch TV? You know what I mean? So it was like kind of like a weekly thing we got to do together. And uh, so we started doing that. And then, you know, started doing the group things and my grandfather came because he wanted to see it in person and then we started traveling and it was we got to go to all these cool historic sites together so he kind of started us on the actual like idea of investigating and then we kind of brought him into it like as we actually started the group wow that's amazing did have you guys ever um investigated anywhere international 
Not yet. Um, we would like to. My yeah. mom and my grandfather went to Italy, uh, I think, two years ago now, but I don't think they did any paranormal stuff. I tried <laughs> to get them to. I was like, tell them to go to all these places. Um, and then me and my wife went to uh, Thailand for our honeymoon, and oh, I was wow. like looking up all these haunted places <laughs> over there. But I was like, that's not why we're here. We're going oh, to the beach. So we, uh, we ended up not doing anything, but it's it's definitely on our list. There's a lot of cool places. Um, I want to get over to like Ireland and Scotland mm-hmm. and do some of the castles. Yeah, that would be amazing. It's on could, the list as soon as we can travel again. Could you mention the, I think, it is it the castle in Vermont? I heard you bring up a few times. Could you talk about that place? Just give a brief yeah. summary of that. Because it's, I looked it up. It's absolutely beautiful. And you're brave. You slept there. <laughs> I, sleep, I, I sleep there every week in October. It's every a, single oh week gosh. I sleep there. Um, yeah, so that's Wilson Castle. Um, it's in Proctor, Vermont. It's right outside of Rutland. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful area. It's a beautiful castle. It's a 30,000 square foot house. Um, oh, it was wow. Built in the 1800s. It kind of changed hands a few times. Oh. After that. The Colonel Wilson purchased it in the late 30s, early 40s. And um, he actually still, his family still owns it today. His granddaughter, Denise, actually is the one that runs it today. Um, they're in the process of restoring it. It's a, it's like an open house. It's a house museum. So they run it during the day for historical tours. Um, you can go there and take pictures and then they do the paranormal stuff. It's, it's one of the more active spots we have, especially locally. Um, we, we first found that place. I stumbled across it online, I think in 2014. Um, and I reached out to him and I was like, Hey, I see you guys are rumored to be haunted. Um, you know, is this something you would be open to? We would love to come out and investigate and check it out you guys are obviously more than welcome to stage you're building you own it um and they were super excited about it so we went out um denise and everybody stayed with us and investigated throughout the night and uh we had some unbelievable activity it was just it was crazy off the charts they were blown away because they said you know we've experienced some things but we've never had the equipment and we've never actually tried to interact with it before um so that kind of started it and then we started going there for events um and it's just been a really good spot that we've been able to go to for the last five or six years. Um, I've had some friends recently that have started going out there because um, I, I posted about it a lot, but it wasn't well known. It really wasn't well it, known at all. I had never heard of it. Exactly. Like yeah. people even from here don't even know about it. Um, so I was talking to people about it and one of our friends was also filming um, a documentary for Amazon and they were looking for another spot to film. And I was like, Hey, do the castle like it's, it's completely mm. unknown like not a lot of people have been sp- investigated it and it's active so they went out and filmed and they had a crazy night wow. and uh so now they've been back i think two more times since then um and it's getting a lot of attention now in the parallel world it's getting wow. a lot of attention which is good they they deserve it out there that's awesome that's so wonderful that you were able to kind of like be a part of bringing it to you know the the public getting everybody to be interested in it because it when I looked at it it looked like an absolutely I did not know it was that big but it's absolutely beautiful it's unreal to walk into it and think that this was somebody's house private estate yeah isn't that crazy I was at the inn at Air West for a wedding over the summer and I was like I just kept walking around going this was somebody's private I just couldn't believe this was somebody's home just private home (laughs) so crazy like 14 foot ceilings Mm -hmm. first second and third floor wow has like 14 foot ceilings oh my gosh everything was like imported from Europe to build it except for like everything was is done and hand painted hand carved wood I mean they just don't they don't make places like that anymore yeah all the work they're doing out there is, is really cool because it, it deserves it deserves to be preserved for another 150 years oh that's sure. amazing 
that's so wonderful. I know I'm going to um, Salem in a few weeks for the first time ever. So I'm going for Halloween because it's the last year because a leap year, it's on a weekend for, for the actual holiday. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to be 40 by, <laughs> by the next time it'll be on a Friday or a Saturday. And I was like, I have to go when I'm like fairly young. <laughs> and so my friend and I booked it and um, I'm excited. I had a, I have a good friend that lived out there. So she kind of gave us all like the behind the scenes, but I'm going to do a special episode from out there and um kind of i've been talking to some people about some notoriously haunted locations out there so i'm really excited to go see them in person and just be immersed in it have you been to salem yeah it's funny the first time we went to salem was like 2015 um my wife booked like a little weekend or a little trip out there like for a birthday present for me so we went out and stayed in like a haunted bed and breakfast and went around did all the salem things and that was like the first time we'd ever been there wow and then um last year um, I'm friends with a lot of the guys that are in the Talking Board Historical Society. So it's a historical society for Ouija boards, which not a lot of people know exists, uh, but there is because there is a lot of history with Ouija boards and stuff. Oh it's pretty God. cool. Um, so I'm friends with a bunch of those guys and I've worked with them on some stuff and uh, they reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to come help. So it was actually a year ago, I think yesterday. Yeah, a year ago yesterday I was out there um, and we, I helped them build um, the world's largest Ouija board. We broke the world record for oh, it. Wow. it Ripley's Believe It or Not in the paper, in the book this year. And oh my gosh. A year ago yesterday um, that I went out and helped them with that. Uh, I was out there. Yeah, I was out there. We've been out there twice this year already. We went out in January wow. with some friends out there. And then um, I just went back out back in maybe July. It was like spur of the moment. Like, yeah. I think it was like a Friday or Saturday night. I was sitting at my computer watching one of my friends do a live stream, and he's like, "Oh, we're all going to Salem tomorrow. Oh my you gosh. Know, pop around and hang out." And I was like, "Oh, I'll be out. I'll just come out. It's only two hours." <laughs> so I drove out and met him. But uh, it's a cool spot. There's actually a um, talking board or a Ouija board museum now oh, out wow. there. Um, that's run by one of the guys from the Talking Board Historical Society. So he's got some of the like most rare boards in the world wow. out there. It's really cool. The house that I'm, the Airbnb I'm staying in is an attic of a third floor Victorian. So I don't know if it was the only affordable, affordable option. I was like, I don't know if me who like is scared of everything should really be staying in an attic in a a Victorian in Salem. It's in Lynn, like right outside of Salem. But I'm like, great. Here's to me sleeping with the lights on all night, probably the whole weekend that I'm there. Uh, You're going to love it. Salem, Salem's really cool. I'm excited. To be out there in October last year and like just see Mm -hmm. the atmosphere it's yeah. I mean, it's going to be obviously a little bit different yeah. this year, uh, but just like the sheer number of people and yep. like the energy, you can just feel the energy. Absolutely. Really cool. The, um, a little tangent side note question that made me think of was I recently listened to a podcast about the history of spiritualism and are the talking boards related to that? And also I had no idea that that was uh, originated in Rochester, New York. I, I have I had no idea. And the podcast was, um, like so informative. Yeah, there's, so Ouija boards and spirit boards were basically kind of like a parlor game back in the day. Like, they were used as like a form of entertainment. They used to do seances and you Mm -hmm. see all those pictures like back in the day with like the ectoplasm coming out of their mouths and all these things. So like it was table tipping, it was Ouija boards, it was seances, it was psychics. And a lot of times it was, I mean, it's, it was a business plan. The sales spiked and a lot of companies got into the businesses right after both world wars, like when a lot of people had died. So they were capitalizing on that. So it's, it's been known as a game mostly um, for a long time, but it was, it was tied into the spiritualism movement. 
Um, and there's so many, there's so many different variations and companies. Wow. I have, I think I have about 75 different boards right now. Wow. And my collection is like this big compared to most of my friends. Wow. That I know. Like it's, it's unreal. The, the sheer number of different boards and history and companies and all kinds oh, of stuff. Wow. It, it is. It's really cool. What's the oldest board do you, do you have? Do you know? The approximately. The oldest I have, I have two from 1901 right wow. now. Wow. The oldest ones I have. The the first like patented ones and the first ones that were made were like early 1890s, 1890, 1891 was when like the first boards were kind of. Oh, patented. interesting. Um, so I'm about 10 years short of that, but I'm I'm I'll get one of those other <laughs> ones eventually. I have some really really rare boards. That's um, amazing. That I've been lucky enough to get over the years. Yeah. Um, I'm friends with. Uh, Robert Murch, who's the, the head director of the um, Talking Board Historical Society, he actually consults on all of like the Ouija movies. He, oh wow! Like, he is the Ouija know-all. He's friends with the family from the first company that patented him. Like he has pocket watches from the original owner of the companies. Oh like, my he, goodness! The Walking Ouija History Museum. Oh, I'm definitely gonna have to look into that. That is so interesting. Oh, yeah. I, I'll tell everybody as I'm speaking to Steve right now, he's sitting and his wall behind him is covered in, in Ouija boards, except for one spot, the one's getting restored. And it is, it, it it almost looks like the one of the backgrounds you can pick to put on in the Zoom. But it's it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I gotta do uh, I gotta do my other walls. I ran out. That, oh, that wall God. took me like three days because I made sure everything was level, yep. like lined up, and everything's not the same great. size. It's supposed to be. So like I got them. <laughs> all throughout the room on wheelchairs and on other shelves or some of the closets. Like they're just spread throughout the room. And none of them have ever made you, given you any sort of, made you nervous to bring into your home or anything like that? What about your wife? Yeah, has she ever had any, any one in particular that made her apprehensive? The only thing she's really ever hesitated about me bringing in was the autopsy tape. <laughs> he was kind of like, that's pretty gross. Do you really need that? And I was like, well, that's only $20. So yeah, I think I need it. So I went, she's like, I'm not coming with you to get it. It's all you. So like middle, it was like 10 o'clock at night. I drove like 45 minutes oh away. Barn in the woods yeah. to pick up an embalming table. But, oh my God. Yeah. The Ouija boards, we haven't really had a problem with. Um, there amazing. was one that. When I got it, you know, I get all excited, obviously, and I'm like, oh, it was like, kid on Christmas, and she's like, it looks like all your other ones. And I'm like, oh, it doesn't, like, and I'll point out, like, the slightest variation yeah. on it, and she's like, you're ridiculous. But <laughs> I had it, and I set it down on the, the dining room table with the planchette on top of it, um, and we went to bed, and uh, you, one of the rules is you're not supposed to leave the planchette on the board, I guess. Oh. I don't know. I'm not a big believer in Ouija boards, so I don't really pay attention to any of that. <laughs> oh, my but I left it on there and I went to bed and I, at this point, I worked for a company. I was getting up at three o'clock in the morning for work every day. So it was like four hours later, I was getting up for work. Nobody else had been up. She's asleep. Our dog sleeps in our bed with us with the door closed. We don't have a cat. We don't have kids. It's just us. Um, and I got up the next morning and I went down to go to work and I walked by the board and I stopped and I went back and looked and the planchette had gone from like straight on to turned into probably almost like almost halfway all the way around wow so i just like laughed snapped a picture of it and then went to work <laughs> i was like i'll tell her went on with your day <laughs> oh my gosh meanwhile i would have moved out <laughs> oh my god i was just like i get home after and i like show her the picture and she's like it moved i'm like yeah she was like, <laughs> like 
She's like, awesome, bring it upstairs. <laughs> that is amazing. You guys are truly brave. I could not do that. It fascinates me, though, and they are beautiful. There is something to be said about the craftsmanship of them. They are, they're beautiful. It's unreal. There's so many different, like, styles and colors. And, yeah. Like, I have some that are vertical instead of horizontal. Oh, that's interesting. Some dark and some, you know, it's it's really cool, all the different, like, yeah. little gimmicks that people came yep. up with to try to sell theirs as opposed yep. to everybody else. Another question that I had for you was, have, have you and your team or you and maybe just your family been able to investigate in a, a location that is like otherwise closed to the public for either public investigations or just as just closed, like nobody's really allowed in there? I would say the only one really so far that's like off limits is yeah. uh, the Saratoga County Homestead oh, wow. uh, the TV hospital. Um, we, like I said, we, we had Destination Fear in there from the Travel Channel, but that's a little bit different, obviously, like Travel Channel has their own insurance and liability and like all this kind of stuff. Um, it's just not safe enough to open up mm. to the public at night yet. It's too dark in there. Um, it doesn't meet code. We don't have fire exit signs. We oh, yeah. only have one staircase that's cleared off, so it's not ready for that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but like me and Dylan and everybody else that's worked on it so far to get it ready, like we've spent some nights up there because we're working on it and the cops know we're there so yeah like, anybody else that's anybody that is caught on the property if i'm not there yeah they're arrested they're, oh they're wow they're yeah arrested. do you have problems with that because it is a pretty oh, tempting i was gonna say it looked tempting yeah. when i was looking it up online the other day after uh knowing it was going to be included in one of my episodes and i was like i could see that as a magnet absolutely Non-stop. oh my god well we're up there we spend when we were cleaning we were up there for eight to ten hours a day cleaning and then we'd stay and investigate so we'd be there from yeah. nine in the morning till five o'clock the next morning wow and we'd kick 15 20 cars of people out a day oh my every gosh day. every day but we, we got some security lights now yeah and parking lot gates so we're making it we have new signs up um so the numbers people still do it yeah um, but the numbers are down to probably three cars a day that wow. we catch. Um, I know that people break in when I'm not there and it drives me absolutely nuts. Yeah. Like I know there's probably people there right now and it's oh always my God. back and it makes me so angry. Um, <laughs> but I can't do anything about it right now. So I just kind of let it go and we're working yeah. on it. That's amazing that you're doing. We can open it up. Yeah, that's incredible. Like, thank you so much for caring so much about a historical landmark like that, but also respecting it, not just from a, um, I guess, our world, our plane uh, kind of point of view. Thank you so much for just treating it the way that you are, because that's like, that's just, that's so nice to know um, that something like that is being respected inside and out that way. That's really, really great. And you're like that, you know, they matter and they don't build buildings like that anymore. And and a lot of times, you know, people are really quick to tear down a building like that one, because they don't want the history there anymore. It's, you know, it was a sad place or it was a psych hospital. It was the black mark on the town. So they want to get rid of it, but that doesn't erase the history. It was still there. Yeah. And, you know, tearing down that building, you're never going to get it back. And yeah. It's, it's something that you can't, it's history. Why would you want to get rid of it? The owner, um, he's a great guy. He's a vet. So he wants to actually put a veteran's retreat on the property somewhere. Oh, wow. Um, he's got 30 acres of land. So he wants to build some like cabins or something. So it's a nice quiet place for them to come back and just relax and kind of like decompress. So he's got some really, really good plans for the property too. That's amazing. Another question I had for you was, do you have a favorite piece of evidence? I don't know if you could pick just one. Is there one that sticks out or one that you really just loved? Yeah, oh man, I I have probably 
one really cool like piece of audio that we caught um and then one like video that we actually caught last year um so the audio was at a place called rolling hills asylum out in east bethany new york it's out near buffalo it's been on all the tv shows and all that stuff um i actually volunteered out there for three years helping with ghost tours and ghost hunts um and it's 300 miles each way from my house so if it wasn't worth the drive i wouldn't have made it but i was out there all the time um and there was one night in December, it was me and two other volunteers. We were actually doing our last walkthrough of the building, making sure everybody was out. It was about, I don't know, two o'clock in the morning. It was freezing. And uh, so we're walking down the hallway and we, just, we always ran out of wish recorder because you just never knew in that building when you were going to catch something. So we're just walking down the hallway. We're not even investigating. We're just kind of walking and talking. And um, we get about halfway down this hallway, which is known as shadow people hallway because they see shadow people in the hallway. And uh, we hear this old guy, I mean, we heard it with our own ears, uh, an older man yell hello. And on the recording, you can hear it yell hello. And then you hear all of us like stop and like kind of like shuffle around in our winter jackets, like looking around. Um, and then you hear one of the other volunteers say, I think that was from down there. Wow. And as soon as he says that, it yells hello again. And we oh heard gosh. it again. And this time it was like twice as close and twice as loud. Um, so you hear me on the recording. I yell hello back. But you can tell I'm like very confused because I know nobody else is in the building. Yeah. Uh, no response to that hello. We walked down, checked the building. There was nobody in there. Um, went back to the owner. We said, hey, who hasn't checked out yet? I think somebody's messing around with us in here. And she went through her list. She said, no, I personally checked everybody out. The door's locked. It's just us and you in here. Um, so I played back the recording and I was like, so who's this? And she's oh like, <laughs> she's like, oh, I don't know. Have a good night, guys. I'll see you later. And then she oh left. So, like, so that's that's a cool piece because it was wow. something we heard at the time. You know what I mean? It yeah, was just, absolutely. It was so loud. It was one of those things that just makes the hair on your arm stand up when you think about it because it was just so crazy. Um, last year at Waverly, we were lucky enough to catch um, one of the balls that's supposed to move by itself. Um, we took it. We put a tape X on the floor, put the ball on the tape X. Um, Waverly is very open. There's not a lot of windows in there okay. yet. They're still restoring it. Um, so we made sure it was actually in a part of the hallway where there was no window access. It was in between like separate rooms. So it wasn't in front of a doorway. It wasn't in front of windows. Um, and I had a camera and I just set the camera down on the ground filming the ball. We went upstairs. This was on the first or this was on the second floor. We went up to the fifth floor. Waverly Hills is brick and concrete. It's not wooden floors. You're not creaking the floors and walking. Like you can't tell. When there's oh, blood. okay. We went all the way up to the fifth floor and we were up there for probably about an hour and 45 minutes. Um, and we came back down and I noticed the ball was across the hallway. And I was like, holy crap, like the ball moved. And then I looked at the camera and the camera was dead. And I was like, I swear to God, if that camera died before the ball moved, like I'm not going to be happy. <laughs> so I went over quick and like grabbed a new battery and changed it out. And I rewound it. And sure enough, the ball sat there for about an hour and 14 minutes, didn't even flinch. And then out of nowhere, it just takes off across the hallway by itself. Oh my um, God. And the camera ends up dying like five minutes after it happens. Oh, so man. we caught it. Um, oh my god one of the coolest things i've ever seen i don't know it was wild that's amazing i think that's my biggest fear is seeing an apparition but also seeing things moved and the times that i've seen like come into a room and something has been moved or um i know i i stayed in a place that had something that was hanging off of a bunk bed and it was it would always spin and it would just stop and then it would spin the other way and there was no draft or anything in there and it was just oh it was like the creepiest room in the house too so that that idea of movement there's something to be said about about that 
It is. It's freaky oh. when you see things move, doors open yep. and close, or chairs or something move. It's, yeah. it's pretty wild. Oh my gosh. Um, is there any place you haven't been able to investigate that you've wanted that you want to, either locally or maybe in the United States? Is there anything like on your yeah. bucket list? Bucket list investigation is probably. I would say, like, internationally in the world, I would really like to do um, Pomalia, which is an island off of Italy. Oh, wow. Um, basically, what it was is they would bring all of the plague victims there oh. to die, essentially. Yeah. Um, and they'd bring all the dead bodies there and burn them after um, wow. for all the, all the plagues. I mean, this thing has been around forever. Um, and then it was a psych hospital at one point. It was a tuberculosis hospital. It was a prison. It was all on this island. Um, there's actually a portion of the island that if you dig, like you're, what you're digging in is human ash. For, like, the first wow. Um, there's oh, been over 100,000 bodies oh, buried. Oh, 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 oh. Hold on, I'm sorry. Hey, you're good. stop I'm recording. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. You're fine, you're <laughs> my fine. husband came home for my dog. <laughs> he knew yeah, it. Yeah, it, it's, it's just like one of those places that like, you know, 100,000 bodies have been burned. Wow. There, so that to me is somewhere I'd really want to go. In the states, investigation-wise, I really want to do um, Alcatraz. Yep. I know everybody says it. I, I, I really <laughs> want to check it out. Um, I want to. I would like to investigate the Stanley Hotel. I've been to the Stanley Hotel. Have you? Um, oh wow. Cool, but uh, I'd like to investigate there. But I would say definitely Alcatraz here in the states. And that's yeah. I mean, the homestead was my bucket list spot for around here. So now I'm kind of living the dream with that. That's so. amazing. I that is so. I can't believe I didn't realize that that you actually owned that. That's amazing. Oh, I I don't own it. The guy that owns it lives in Texas. I just manage the property. Manage the property. I, oh my. Yes. Yeah, so I, I just do all like the security. I do all the stuff because he's so far away. That is um, so cool. And he cool. couldn't come up here as much this year because of COVID. Yeah. Um, so I, I do all the fun stuff like the tours and security <laughs> and stuff like that. So that I get to do all the fun stuff without the without having to pay the bills for it. So it works out well. <laughs> that's a, seriously that's that's like the perfect situation. It is. The only other question I really had was. Um, what else do you think is important for people to know about like the paranormal and or what your team does if we haven't already covered it is there any like any last word anything you'd want people to make sure they knew um i would say that if it's something you're interested in definitely do some research read read some books um i know everybody kind of talks a lot of trash about like zach bagans and ghost adventures and stuff like that because he's you know he's zach bagans he's a big personality he's entertaining um, but he's got a couple books out and they're actually very good. They, there's a oh, lot wow. of really good theories in there, a lot of good ideas. Um, I would recommend those books. Um, do some research online, see what you can come up with, watch some of the shows, mm. keeping in mind that the shows are for entertainment purposes. Yeah. But it gives you an idea of like the locations that you can go to. Um, I would say don't be afraid. Um, of it it's it's not scary in the aspect of like hollywood and stuff like we were talking about before yeah. it's you have to treat these places and these people like they're people i mean you're going in and you're talking to people like we're talking right now um one way i like to tell people at my events to kind of keep a level head when stuff starts happening is if they hear a noise or they think they see something my my mind always goes back to if i was sitting at my house what would i think is it, oh, it's the trash can outside or, yeah. oh, it's a tree blowing in the wind. If I'm sitting, I mean, our house is haunted, so that's a terrible example. But <laughs> like, normal houses, like if you're just sitting at your house that's not haunted and you hear this noise, yeah. would you freak out or would you just be like, oh, it's probably a squirrel outside? Yeah. 
you have to go into it with a complete level head. You have to stay, you know, skeptical every time. You can believe in the paranormal, but you have to approach each investigation and each location and each like happening as a skeptic. Try to figure out everything else it could be before you say this is paranormal. Um, you got That's what you have to be left with. If, if you can eliminate everything else and you're left with you don't know, then it can be paranormal. But if there's any doubt, you kind of got to let it go and move on. Um, but yeah, I would say just get out there and start investigating. Look around. There's a lot of groups in the area. There's great groups in yeah. Albany, great groups in Queensbury. They're, they're all over the place. So if you don't, if you can't make it up to one of our events, you know, with Haunted Nights or anything like that, look around. There's people everywhere that are, are really good people investigating. I think one thing that I read recently that stuck out to me was for like every hundred people you see a day, one of them was probably a ghost and you would never be any of the wiser or yep. maybe you've interacted with something and you just never knew because that's the way that they came through and they really did look like someone that you know is just alive and and interacting and was able to don't, and don't go into investigations if you watch the tv shows don't go to an investigation expecting that to happen mm. it's not the way it works um when they're filming they're filming for usually either 12 hours straight at a night investigating or, you know, multiple nights investigating. Yeah. And then they're editing everything down. The actual investigation portion of an episode is about like 36 minutes. Yeah. So yeah. So think you have 20 something hours on each camera of video footage and you have to chop all that down yeah. in 35 minutes. Oh like God. it's going to look like every time you walk into a room, something's happening. Yeah. But it might be four hours in between each experience. And that's way more realistic um, as an expectation. There's times where you go sit in a building and absolutely nothing happens for eight hours. Yeah. That doesn't mean the building's not haunted. You hit it on an off night. You should go back and try it again a different night. It could be crazy active the next night. You never know. So don't get discouraged if nothing's happening right at the beginning. <laughs> Stick it out and go back to places more than once, even if you don't have activity. Have you ever seen a full body apparition? That was just, just popped in my head. Um, I would say since not, not a full body since that one woman sitting on my bed when I was younger, um, I've seen like partial manifestations. Mm. I've seen like the legs down. Yeah. Like I've heard dress. that. Um, I've seen like, it looks like somebody reached uh, their hand on a railing on a staircase wow. and like that kind of stuff. But, but since that one woman, I have not seen a full wow. body. I've seen again, like the waist up from a window and I've looked up into a window. Um, but I haven't, haven't been able to see the full thing again. <laughs> Well, thank you. I just wanted to get, say a huge thank you from all of us here in the Haunted 518 community. And I absolutely will try to join. And it's it's now that I realize there's, as I've gotten older, there's more people I can have these conversations with and feel comfortable with and kind of ex just experience, share these experiences with. I will definitely um, look into that. And we would love to have you back anytime. You're just like a plethora of amazing, fun, spooky information that like you're always welcome. Anytime, if you just want to share any stories, we're here to to listen. And, um, and I just kind of wanted to... Um, reiterate every the place where everybody can find you your website being sgfparanormalsociety.com and then sgfparanormal on instagram and twitter and then of course south glens falls paranormal society on facebook as well and definitely be sure to check out uh steve's podcast the haunted 518 project because it is um it's awesome is it the is it the 518 haunted project or or the haunted 
It's funny. It's um, I think it's five one eight paranormal project. That's right. We, okay, I'm sorry about that because I realized. Well, it's fine. We uh, it's funny. We actually haven't done an episode in a while. It's been tough because we we used to drive down to Latham and record, and with everything going on, yeah. we don't have to get down there as much. So we're working on a way to do it from home still. Yeah. Um, so we because we used to record right in their studios at iHeartMedia. Yeah. Um, so we're working on doing it from home. We'll get some more episodes out there. Um, but yeah, it's. You know, it's fun. Yeah, it's, it's the 518 fun. Paranormal Project, and I listened to it on iHeartRadio. And, I mean, the episodes that I listened to were awesome. The guests you had were incredible. And just hearing your plethora of stories was just so much fun. So I definitely recommend that. And, and again, just thank you so much. I really, really appreciate your time and, and really looking forward to hopefully uh, talking to you again. Yeah, definitely. Thank you very much for having me on. It's been a blast. I'll, I'll come on anytime and talk okay. stories. I got oh, more. awesome. Thank you. Well, have a great time, a great uh, spooky October. <laughs> I'll think about. I know. I was gonna say. I'll think about you guys when I'm in Salem. Yeah. <laughs> well, take care. Thank you. Bye, Steve. So that was one of the most fun conversations I've had lately, not to mention speaking to someone so experienced and dedicated really helps put my mind at ease when I start to get anxious about the spooky things that I've experienced or even just heard of. Steve did such an excellent job of explaining in his experience what paranormal means. Another thing that stuck out to me and that I enjoyed hearing was how he really respects these paranormal experiences and the locations he's able to investigate. One thing I wanted to make sure I mentioned was to be sure to check out both of the following documentaries him and his team are a part of. The first is Madhouse, a paranormal documentary, and the second is The Evil of Nowhere, which are both on Amazon Prime. They're sure to give you goosebumps. I know I had them when I was watching. Also, just to recap where you can find Steve and his team, you can find them on their website at sgfparanormalsociety.com. Or you can find them at SGF Paranormal on both Instagram and Twitter, and the South Glens Falls Paranormal Society on Facebook as well. Also, just a reminder, check out Steve's podcast, The 518 Paranormal Project on iHeartRadio, which focuses on local haunted venues and features interviews with South Glens Falls Paranormal Society clients. Steve is also the owner of Haunted Nights, which is a paranormal event company that I highly recommend you look into if you want to get some hands-on experience investigating and learn more from the South Glens Falls Paranormal team. Well, I can't thank Steve enough, and we really look forward to having him on again to share more of his spooky knowledge and stories. That's all for today. Be sure to keep your eye out for upcoming episodes dropping weekly on Sundays. And just a reminder, as always, we need stories, so please submit your story. We really want to share them. And don't forget to check us out at haunted518.com where you can subscribe for updates. You can also find and follow our Haunted 518 Facebook page and at the Haunted 518 on Instagram. And you can always just email us your story directly at thehaunted518 at gmail.com. And please, as always, rate and subscribe. This is really helpful for us. So until next time, happy haunting.